Welcome to Movies of Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler, and today we are unraveling the layers of the critically acclaimed film Killers of the Flower Moon. Join us as we explore the depths of this haunting narrative based on the chilling true events that shook the Osage Nation to its core in the 1920s. Why did you come here? I work with my uncle. You scared of him? Oh, he's a, he's the nicest man in the world. The Osage, their time is over. We got to take back control of our home. I was sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. We have so many deaths, we've lost count. It's just bad luck. Seems more like an epidemic than bad luck to me. Osage is dying by the enemy. Do not let them die alone. Evil surrounds my heart. Killers of the Flower Moon is a 2023 American epic Western crime drama film directed by Martin Scorsese from a screenplay he co-wrote with Eric Roth, based on the 2017 nonfiction book of the same name by David Grann. Set in 1920s Oklahoma, it focuses on a series of murders of Osage members and relations in the Osage Nation after oil was discovered on tribal land. Tribal members had retained mineral rights on the reservation and whites sought to gain their wealth. Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and Lily Gladstone lead an ensemble cast, and this film is the sixth feature film collaboration between Scorsese and DiCaprio, and the tenth between Scorsese and De Niro, and the eleventh and final collaboration between Scorsese and composer Robbie Robertson, who died two months before the film's release, and the film is dedicated to Robertson. So I'm a huge Martin Scorsese fan, uh, and I also read this book, and so the combination of the two just made me so excited to see this movie. Uh, but I thought it'd be really fun to talk to my in-laws about this movie uh, because they went and saw it in the theater and just raved about it. And they gave me and Whitney a chance to have a date night, date afternoon slash evening date to go see this movie. And we actually saw it in the theater shortly after its theatrical release. So I thought it'd be really fun just to put a mic literally in the middle of our table and <laughs> record a roundtable conversation about this movie uh, just because I know they had a lot of great things to say. So we're going to jump into that and I think this movie is so powerful that there might be some other episodes in the future uh, where we might cover this movie here and there. Uh, I'm still working on those details but um, regardless I uh, hope you enjoy this conversation. I am welcoming in a bunch of my good old friends. I'll have everybody introduce themselves. Hi, old buddy, old pal. <laughs> uh, it's, Whitney it's here. It's Whitney. Yeah, and then uh, my mother-in-law. Jennifer. Jennifer. I'm so and glad then. to be here. They fit us. <laughs> and Steve. <laughs> and, and, and Steve Graham. Mom's so. boyfriend. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So we, we watched this film uh, close to when it was released. I've always been a huge Martin Scorsese fan, but um, especially with this tale coming from Oklahoma, um, the three of you here probably have more roots tied to Oklahoma than I have, but um, it's just a fascinating story. And I think in this discussion, uh, we'll 
it probably would benefit you to uh, at least know the book or read the story because we're going to kind of we're not going to spoil it, but we'll talk about uh, things that well, you know, it's kind of hard to go around <laughs> talking about this film without hitting on some of the tough sub- subject matter. But um, I guess first off, as a movie, uh, did you all think did you all think that it worked? I thought it was a well constructed movie. I because I read the book, so I knew what it was about. But I thought they laid it out, or Martin Scorsese. Yeah, thank you. Um, laid it out well. He told the story real concise and and maybe left out some of the things, but he he made it make sense. So I thought it was well done. You came home. We didn't see it together. We did see it at the same weekend, but we didn't see it at the same time. And you came back from the movie and were like dying for us to go so we could talk about it. And you always want to do that when you really like a movie. Yeah. And I love the one scene at the end that I guess I don't talk about, right? No, you can. Okay. The When they did it on the radio broadcast, the old-fashioned radio broadcast, how they ended the movie. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Fascinating. I hate to use that word again, but jump to the punchline. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> well, it, it is very interesting because Martin Scorsese himself comes up on the screen, uh, right? And uh, it kind of flashes. Would you say probably like fifties radio yes. broadcast era, and kind of gives an epilogue to the whole whole story. But it's. Pr- I thought it was an inventive way to do it instead of doing like. Your traditional flash on the screen with titles and here's the pictures of the real people. Right, I like it that way. Um, yeah, but then also with uh, amazing, uh, I think, final shot of the Osage tribe doing kind of a traditional dance and how the camera just started from, from the, the yeah yeah from the top and just down. lifted up. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a really nice way um, to kind of help you <laughs> marinate on everything that you just saw. Um, so yeah, um, I, I listened to the book. I didn't read it, but I thought from uh, just from especially because the book the book is very journalistic in its approach. It's definitely a right. <laughs> historical piece of literature, and the fact that they were able to translate translate this story into a narrative, I thought was pretty seamless. So mm-hmm. um, I couldn't have quite told you like maybe what they had left out or anything like that, but I thought it was a pretty pretty fair telling of everything and i thought they kind of helped explain and capture the love that leo what what's what was his um fiction name yeah uh, i mean his real name yeah uh leo dicaprio he played uh ernest burkhart i thought because it was hard to see how he could um do what he did you know to his wife but and love her because you and he played that well because you felt his tension and his angst, even though he was doing what his uncle wanted him to do. So, yeah, that was a that was pretty telling in the movie. I think. Yeah, I, I think something is. Um, I mean, we're always the heroes of our own stories, and mm-hmm. I think that's what Scorsese plays with here. Mm-hmm. You know, at one hand, you're mm-hmm. like, like. He's such an evil person, but something he had done, Ernest had constructed something, and uh, especially with De Niro, his uncle, William King Hill, I mean, he kind of helped <laughs> form, you know, Ernest's own narrative of what he was doing, where it seemed like Ernest was able to justify what he was doing on the back end, even though, I mean, I still believe that he did have a true love uh, for his wife, 
But um, also, I don't think he was bright. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't think he was the brightest light bulb in the yeah. group. And that's kind of like why this story, I think, has kind of stuck with me. Because I think it's really like Scorsese um, also like kind of pointing, pointing towards um, this movie. And I would say... Um, there's kind of been more historical narratives like this. Well, a lot of this movie talks also brings up the Tulsa race massacre, right? So we're getting to a point in our history where we're we're starting to really relook at what America's history is made out of. Right. And I think this film is very much of a like we have a we have an idea of the wild wild west, and it almost kind of defines how our country has gotten here, almost for like. Almost kind of like in a bootstrap mentality way of like, oh, look what we've done. And I think Scorsese is actually taking, I mean, this isn't like a pure Western, but he's kind of taking this Western and saying, uh, yeah, this is, these guys are awful. Not even if th- that they're awful, they're dumb, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> and so, because a lot of the Westerns that we've seen, you know, all the, all the heroes are always bright. And he's also just saying that, um, just kind of talking about us us really looking at our history and how we've gotten there and just helping us realize that like basically just making note of like hey all the things the Tulsa Race Massacre we buried this in the past and I think that's why this story is so amazing is because I think it's just people like I mean it doesn't surprise you but it's also like you realize how important it is that it's being told and especially from the Osage Nation's perspective it was it's just shocking to me how much we don't know and embarrassing mm-hmm. and, and until what two years ago i had never heard of this never heard of the Tel- tulsa race riots and you know what yeah, and else? it was never taught in school i mean the tulsa race riots and and this but never ever and we grew up i grew up with oklahoma history it seemed like a very easy thing to ex- definitely explain right just right up the road and we never ever heard about it it's weird i mean it shocked me five years ago when one of steve's friends quentin said yeah we don't really celebrate thanksgiving <laughs> right. steve, steve asking what he was gonna do for thanksgiving and quentin romanos he said well you know we don't really celebrate thanksgiving and it you know you don't you just live in a world of your own so that's one of the things in in Oklahoma Martin Scorsese uh, scored a lot of points the Osage tribe leaders uh, were he engaged a lot with them in the developing of the story mm-hmm. and the narrative so they helped him ground it all the time however my sister has a Native American friend who said. I'm not going to watch it because I'm sure they just glorify the white man one more time. But you're right, they didn't. Right, yeah. And, and I do think it's interesting that the, uh, I mean, this story is almost, um, I mean, it's told from different perspectives, but we spend a lot a lot of time with Ernest and, you know, King Hale, these characters. So I kind of thought that was interesting from an interesting standpoint because uh, this is supposed to, I mean, this is trying to tell what really happened to the Osage Nation, but we spend so much time with all, you know, all these evil men. But I think a lot of it might have also is because of, there's probably a lot of it is pulled from like facts from the case, like from the FBI case and stuff like that. But Well, long before I realized that 
Leonardo DiCaprio's character, uh, Ernest, mm. that all I saw was the tender love of a young couple. And he, and it was just kind of so beautiful to watch it unfolding. And then to realize that for his uncle, he's doing all such of evil things all around the community in the dark of night. And you don't realize he's going to do it to her. And so it's really something when you realize he's still loving her and he's now doing this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You cried. Did you have anything to add? She was asleep during that. No, part. I wasn't. <laughs> I, I, uh, the whole thing that I just found mesmerizing the whole, the entire movie was watching how they would talk, the Osage leaders would talk about like, this is a time for the Osage to meet and the white folk not to be in the meeting place, except always certain white folk were in the meeting place. Right. So like if they had surpassed, like if they had married in or if they had gained enough trust, they were in that inner circle. And for whatever reason, Ernest and King Hill were in that inner circle. Um, and I always just, I kept, I found that super weird. The whole show is how some of the white people were in. Um, and I think that that still plays out throughout like living in Oklahoma today is you've got people that are either in with the, with the tribal nations and are accepted and, and proven their trustworthiness. And then some that are on the outside. And I don't know, it'd be interesting to know how those lines are, are formed and crossed. And I've heard you, I mean, you've worked a lot with different <clears throat> leaders and tribal leaders. And I, I think that you can see that bond is created, but it's interesting that you could watch that play out in the movie the whole time of when the, those bonds were there and when they weren't. So I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. I don't have, I, it was hard for me to like, I, I watched Ernest do evil things right at the beginning of the movie and I did not read the book. So I'm coming at it, not have read the book. So I was going into the movie blind. I had absolutely no idea what it was about. <laughs> so I was, if you're sitting here going, well, I didn't know I should see it. I understood it. I didn't have to read it to understand it, but I was. That's a good point. I was watching it, and I was like, uh, he he was doing those horrible things at night, and then he went and courted her, and I was like, why do we like him? Like I could never like him, and they made him look so ugly, and Leonardo DiCaprio is not supposed to look ugly, and so I just <laughs> it just bothered me. He bothered me. He's supposed to bother me, so he played it well. But I just the whole time was like, ooh. So. Yeah. Uh, what did you all think about the performances in the movie? I thought excellent. Yeah. Um, all of them. Well, really. you, you fall in love with Molly. Right. Played by uh, Lily Gladstone. Yeah. And it's really amazing because she draws you to the screen all the way through. Mm -hmm. And you keep getting surprised that you're so drawn to her. And th it just keeps unfolding. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they they kind of made a mention of it early on. Maybe maybe it was King Hale that said it, but just talk talked about that. You know, basically working with the Osage people. If they're quiet, that doesn't mean that they're not listening. And I thought her performance was very reflective of that. Of just uh, it'd be interesting to almost see how ma how many lines of dia dialogue she had, but she says so much with her presence and her face Very and being good. quiet. And I also think it's quite a marvel because I mean she's acting against some of the greatest actors 
of our generation in this movie, and she holds her own. So, she uh, yeah, I would not be surprised uh, if she if she won an Oscar for her performance at all. And I mean, uh, I thought DiCaprio was great, kind of playing, against, <clears throat> excuse me, playing against type a little bit, and then also De Niro uh, surprised me again. I, I think it's a little hard because. Later on in the stage, his movies are kind of all over the place sometimes. You can tell it seems like a lot of the movies he does are for paychecks. But then mm-hmm. a movie like this comes around and you're like, oh, man, he's just, I mean. He's he, excellent. Oh, he's man, good. just so grounded in that uh, that role of the guy who is just has his hands in everything. <laughs> so, yeah. So evil. <laughs> so evil. So, uh I think it wouldn't hurt to talk a little bit about just the runtime of this movie. Too long. <laughs> you said it was told concisely, and I've been sitting I over here stewing about that since you said it. I said, "Don't drink a diet coke." That's what I said <laughs> during the movie. Well, I don't. I don't ever mind going to the bathroom. I needed to take four or five more breaks to leave a minute and walk around. It's long. I couldn't leave. I did squats in the middle. I thought every scene was pretty compelling, so I just didn't want to leave. It unfolds with with just repeat performance. Yeah. But it, it is long. But but I thought it was uh, not as unbearable as I thought it might be. So I think it definitely needs to be seen in the big screen. Yeah. Like I feel like that's why they had to make it for a movie big screen. So if you are on the fence on seeing it, I'd see it in the on the big screen. But I think that it's one of those that had it been a mini series and it had been even longer, like had it been six hours worth of time and been one hour, six one hour shows, it would have been great. And I don't think it, the story was too long, but I don't ever need to see a movie where I leave in the middle of the afternoon and I get home and it's dark. Like that is not all right. <laughs> well, Sick and wrong. Uh, isn't it, it is. It's just I mean, not, not your it time schedule. Was, it, it was time for another meal by the time you got out. <laughs> it was too long. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, I thought it was interesting because I, I appreciated it because I, I think that it was given credence to the story and the weight of the story. I felt like if it was a shorter movie, it would have, there would have been things definitely left out. And I felt like uh, with its runtime, it garnered all the emotions that uh, it, it garnered for sure. But that's probably, I mean, can you think of the last time we've watched a movie that long in the theater? No, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> I thought Barbie was that long. No, no Barbie's like almost two hours probably. Okay. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> like we didn't see... four hours of your life. <laughs> you loved Barbie. I don't know why you said that. <laughs> it's just teasing. <laughs> I have a comment sometime about the, the um, visual part of the movie. Yeah. Seeing the state of Oklahoma. Yes. Uh, I grew up west of Interstate 35, and it's far more plains. But this has a hint of the plains, but... They, they took them to land up in northern Oklahoma that uh, I, I would have almost liked to have seen more of it. Mm-hmm. But they you do experience uh, sort of the day by just the visual. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, it was real quick because they do a couple of times or they throw, throw in some newsreels and stuff like that. And uh, I saw when the OU buildings 
in the background of one of those newsreels. And I laugh because I think I saw the filming of that when I was walking around campus one day. Uh, there was They weren't advertising what movie was on campus or whatever. And, but anyway, I was like, oh my gosh, that, that was it. And I would, uh, so I can say I witnessed the filming of Killers oh, yeah, of the Flower Moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think for anybody here, that was the most fascinating part is that it was all filmed right here. We knew where they were. Um, the skies looked like Oklahoma skies and the... The planes, I thought that was really cool. What the movie didn't hit on, I don't think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Nathan, is it was the beginning of the FBI. Right, yeah, and, and that, so, that's something the book definitely yes. uh, spends more time on. Right. But, um, yeah, did it, did that bother you that that no, wasn't? No, because it, there was a lot of time spent on it in the book. But it it, it was a part of history that's interesting that that's how... It began, and that's how I can't remember who the director was. That's how the FBI in. began, or that's how the story about killing. No, that's the how the FBI. It was in began. the beginning days of, of the, the FBI. FBI. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they really used this case to kind of propel their agency to go. I mean, they had done lots of stuff up north, but this is the first time. I mean, and they do play up the like they were strangers <laughs> in this Oklahoma land, you right. know. And so, yeah. But yeah, what did you think about Jesse Plemons? <laughs> I think Jesse Plemons is wonderful in anything he's in. And the minute I said that a minute ago, you said what, Jennifer? <laughs> I'm not going to say it. He, she said, oh, I don't like him. He's homely. Well, I said, I don't want to date him or anything. I just think that he's always such a good actor. And I have such a sweet spot for him. And yeah. then when I was leaving, I actually said, I like that he always plays the like nice moral guy. And then I got school because yeah, he doesn't yeah he was on breaking bad yeah he was it. bad but <laughs> <laughs> anyway in this i love that i liked his character i thought it was a good fit for that i didn't really like um brendan frazier but i think it's because i don't like him in his new look what no. did he do i've forgotten what he's done did in the movie here's the he was defending uh, William Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's that, supposed to look slimy, yeah. but now he just looks so gross after that whale movie. It's just awful looking. Well, I thought, and I love John Lithgow too, uh, but uh, the, both of their appearances in this movie, it almost, I was like, I think somebody misled you into what type of movie this was. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. a lot of the performances are very understated, and I know they're supposed to be uh, attorneys, but... Uh, I, it was uh, one of the few elements that I, their performances really took me out of the movie. It was kind of finally like, oh, there's John Lithgow. Yeah. It, it all of a sudden became like a cameo thing, like you'd see on Saturday Night Live or something. Yeah, that did that to me too. You, you might want to write this out, but I have a, 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 a historical reality in that period of time. My grandfather drove in Probably a similar car to those old. They weren't Model A's, but they right. were they oh. were 1930 vehicles. And he drove into the Oklahoma County Courthouse and went inside and went upstairs and shot and killed a man he thought was having an affair with my grandmother. But this helped me just picture all of that reality then, and that is the early nature of the state. Mm-hmm. And it was rough. It was a rough culture. Yeah, yeah. And uh, even just, uh, it seems like they would sort of think about consequences, yeah. but really not until after the fact. But there was also not a system put in place that would ever, you know, hold them 
accountable, accountable for those. Right. <laughs> for those. Well, so they thought they could cover up anything they did. Yeah. Well, and on tribal land, they could. Right. And right. so that yeah. was yeah. the other reason. And they, I mean, that still happens today. Yeah. Um, and so that's a that's an area that they're touching on that whole time is is that type of like are we part of the state or are we not part of the state where they used the state the FBI for their help in this trial so that was kind of an interesting like trust that was built with right. the federal government which was not normal yeah yeah um, so just to kind of kind of wrap this all up so uh, I actually uh, when it's all. Oppenheimer with Jennifer and Steve. Uh, I can't remember why you didn't join us, Whitney. On <laughs> it was that so one. long. <laughs> but, Somebody has to keep our children. <laughs> but I would say definitely Oppenheimer and this movie are kind of the front running for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will say uh, with both of them, I I don't think they're quite like perfect films. I mentioned Lithgow and there was kind of some performances that threw me off with this one. Also, there were some elements of, I, I just keep going back to uh, when King Hale, he's like burning all his land. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't like that. That scene, that scene went on about three minutes too long. It was right. kind of like, I, I could have gone to the bathroom then if I'd known <laughs> it was like, going to be that long. It's like, uh, <laughs> we get the symbolism here. Uh, you know, so there were some elements of that, but, um, and I don't think, I think Oppenheimer and this movie are very two different movies, but, in your eye, I, this one has kind of stuck with me a little bit more. And I think it's a little bit more about, you know, all about like, especially America history. And we hear so much of make America great again. <laughs> and it's almost kind of like, what, when, 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 when was that? You yeah. know? Uh, and so uh, I, I, that's what this movie has kind of stuck with me a little bit more than Oppenheimer. But I, I, I wondered what you two thought. Well, Earlier, I think if Lily Gladstone wins the Academy Award, mm-hmm. this movie will. Okay. Because I thought she helped it reach a, you really connected with it because of her. Yeah, yeah. And I think from a, a Scorsese standpoint, uh, I mean, he hasn't said this, this is his last film, but, you know, it's oh. definitely going to be, you know, on the tele end. And uh, even though I probably wouldn't say it's his best film out of his whole career, I mean, I think it's quite a, hell of a way to go out if this was his movie it's kind of a culmination of a lot of the themes that you see in a lot of his work and i think it's interesting that this was shot in oklahoma where not all his movies have been set in new york but he's very much you know it's definitely kind of native to him and you could really uh see and i especially think in the epilogue when it comes up of how much i think appreciation he gained i think for the Osage, mm-hmm. a tribe from telling uh, this story. Ah, I'll go ahead. Well, I, I didn't see Oppen- Oppenheimer, so I can't speak to it. I'm glad it was on the big screen, this movie, because I I think it will reach more people going to the movies, maybe. Yeah. And, um, and I think they need to know this history. Yeah. So I think they could skip it if it was on TV and in a yeah. miniseries. Me too. And I think they it might... That was my thoughts when you were saying that. Well, well, I didn't see I didn't see it, but I will say that the thing I loved about this movie, and I didn't say this earlier when you said visual, is that I I don't mind. I always confuse Nathan when I say this. I don't mind dark stories, meaning like they're gruesome and gross, and the like telling of the story because that was the story. But I like that this was shot in such vibrant, vivid colors because I don't like 
movies that are always dark Mm -hmm. in nature. Like, they're hard for me to grasp onto. And I thought the characters were so so enriching and the vibrancy of the colors and the, like, you you really got, there was young people and old people and a variety of people. And I didn't see Oppenheimer, but in my mind, it's just gray and black and kind of dark. (laughs) But I didn't see it. It was, kind of. That's how it, so I think it would be harder for me to. And I think that's a good point. It had been very easy to make this story even more dramatic. Um, and I would say especially in maybe some of the more violent scenes. And I think by telling it, and I mean this in a good way, a more sh- straightforward way, it felt more like, it felt more reality-based. It felt more lived in versus elements of like dark shadows and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And I think when those moments happen of violence, it makes it uh, that much more realistic and uh, I think always having in the back of your mind that this really did happen. It felt like a stage play, which especially with the radio broadcast at the end, wrapping it up. The whole thing felt like a stage play, and I think that was on purpose, the way they were telling the story, where you almost couldn't believe that it was true, but then it was true, kind of like a true crime type of, like, look at something. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I I think this movie's real interesting because it, like, was trying to go get off the ground and then with COVID, it delayed a lot of things. And then, uh, you know, it finally was filmed and everything. And originally, you know, this is like an Apple uh, TV Plus production. It was just going to go straight to streaming. But then I think because of the writer strike and then the oh. actor's strike, oh. it kind of made them push it more to a theatrical release, which I think, well, in the end, I think this will come out on Apple TV Plus like in December probably. But it's it almost, I think more people have seen this movie now than if it would have just <laughs> released on the streamer. So, yeah. yeah. So, all that said, do you think you would watch this movie again? Oh, yeah. I would. You would? Yeah, I'd take somebody too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would watch it again and, and um, stay awake. Pause it if I have to go to the bathroom or if I fall asleep because I didn't fall asleep because I was bored, but I just, that's, I. Well, you guys so, had a long week. I'm so busy, and then I sit down, and it's dark in the theater, and your feet are back, and you add popcorn, and then I was out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seat warmers. Seat warmer. It was a glorious You kind of watch it at home yeah. where people wake you up. I, I will say, this had nothing to do with the movie, but when we saw it, we... We were definitely probably in the younger uh, demographic in the theater, yes. but there was a guy next to you who just, he had to adjust a lot in his seat because of the runtime. Yeah. At one point, he had to unrecline and kind of lean forward on his knees, but yeah, but rank it? Yeah. What kind of ranking? Like five or four. Okay. Well, what would you rank it? Mm-hmm. Whitney wants to do a ranking, so... Okay, I, I like the five-star method, even though my family gives me a hard time about that. I don't know why. but Everything should have been out of ten, but this thing is well past our giving input on that. <laughs> okay, so. so. <laughs> I'll give it a four. A four? Mm-hmm. Okay, Jennifer. I'm giving it a four and a half. Okay. Only because, not a five, only because of the things that you said about the characters that were kind of thrown in. They kind of threw me off, too, but I didn't really know why. I'm glad you explained it. Okay. What about you, Steve? I think they're stingy. I'd give it a five. Okay. Yeah. I I, I personally gave it a four. The review is on my website, moviesyourlife.com, so you could read that. Uh, but... It's a it's a very strong four uh, because it ha- it has stuck with me as I had mentioned. My five is because it's not often you can go to a movie that's going to have something that's really real, rich, and 
watch it unfold and it doesn't necessarily have a happy ending, but there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, that was a really fun conversation. And that's one thing that I've always loved about my in-laws is that I just love talking movies and TV with them. And you can tell that both of them were really excited about this movie and definitely thought it was a film that uh, definitely stood out in their mind as one of the best films of the year. As always, check out moviesorlife.com for episode reviews and more. If you love this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review it. This really helps us with finding new listeners. Also, please consider supporting our podcast. There is a donate link both in this episode's description and on the homepage of our website. No donation is too big or too small. The support you offer goes a long way in helping us continue producing the content you love. Well, I hope everybody goes out and sees this movie. If not, it should be releasing uh, on streaming on Apple TV Plus uh, pretty soon. But uh, as we talked about in our discussion, definitely worth it if you go to the theater. Uh, Check it out. We would love to hear what you think about it. You can always email us at moviesorlifepod at gmail.com or find us on social media and all the platforms and let us know what you think. Okay, everybody. Have a great week.